Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Roger Lee. And so, actually, tonight I get the pleasure of welcoming our special guest. My parents have a small thing since they're out on their anniversary, Shaba, that they wanted me to read for Roger. Mom and Dad were just wanting to say that they're so thankful for the quality of gift and teacher that Roger is to the region. And since I had the privilege for two years of being a part of Roger's ministry school, I just want to say a couple things about him. That Roger is probably one of the greatest examples to me in the body of Christ that I've met. Um, him and his wife, Jennifer, they have 10 kids. I know all of you guys are freaking out in your living room. 10 kids, oh my gosh. <laughs> But um, I've had the honor of being in his school and um, just watching him. I think my greatest, like, honor has been being in the prayer room for two years and watching Roger always sitting in the front row with the Asian anointing. He would just sit there with his Bible and just speak to the Lord as a friend. And I remember when I first came to ministry school, that provoked me as a young person so much because he knew the word, he prayed the word, he lived the word, and there wasn't a question if Roger was in hidden in sin. There wasn't a question on his character. He lived godly, and he still does in his generation. And so if you would welcome Roger Lee, who I love very dearly from your living room. <laughs> good to be here at Victory. Uh, I wish I could see you. It's like another family. I um, know many of you over the years. Um, we're so proud of Victoria. As she said, she went through two years. Was valedictorian both years, I would say. And uh, just saw and watched her grow tremendously just in her heart, in her character, in her, just her knowledge of the word, but more just her maturing in Christ. And so... Get a little closer. You have to remind me of that. Um, and so, and then the other thing is, I want to just, I love being in this house. Cody, thank you for worship. I love the heart that uh, Pastor Brian and Brent have that you guys go after the presence of God. You know, you haven't sold out to that one hour a week, you know, service where you just play church. Instead, it's like you really go after worship. I've known you for years even for the wellspring days, and, and you and your wife, you guys have always gone after the Lord, the, the worship, the purity of your hearts, and even tonight, the presence of God just comes when you lead, so thank you. I love that about victory, that it's, uh, that you guys go after, after the Lord, it's, it's your life, it's not just a game, it's not just church, um, and, and I also want to just say uh, congratulations to pastors Brian and Bren, 25 years of anniversary marriage as well as ministry that's amazing and I was just thinking about you guys what a stalwart you are in our city you have been uh, just the, the the rock that you guys are and the and uh, just the faith that you bring and the mobilization the love for the Lord in our city just thank you for your friendship and just your support for us over the years um, I mean the biggest he's a father like I am and so um, the biggest thing, honor that I could say is you would entrust your children to us. That says a lot. That's a, uh, it's just a huge uh, statement of friendship and trust. So I want to congratulate you, my wife and I do, and 25 years, amazing. 
We'll get there one day. <laughs> so, all right, let's turn to 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles at home, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And as, as things have been escalating in the earth and in our nation, as many voices and pressures that are coming from you know, the pandemic, uh, from the media, from uh, racial issues, there's been something that the Lord's really been putting on our hearts, and it's been the central, central message of the cross. The Lord's been bringing us back to the central message of the cross. And the cross is what defines us. It's what gives us our identity. The cross is what en enables us actually to have relationship with God. But if we look in the Western church and the American church, there's very little teaching both on the cross and on the second coming. We do a lot of teachings uh, about social issues. We address social issues. We address you know, life enhancement issues, which aren't all bad. But when we look at the apostles and the, word of the, and the words from the scriptures, they were consumed by the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And they were consumed with the consummation, which is the second coming, the fullness of what the cross purchased. These two areas is what the Gospels and the Epistles are all about. They weren't addressing social issues, even though they were engaged in it. But when we look at this, the Epistles and the Scriptures in the New Testament, they were consumed by the cross of Christ. And this is what they brought into every city. This is the power by which the Holy Spirit would operate through. And this is the authority that was given to them so they could engage into the society. And we've I believe as a church, we've, we sing about it probably more than we actually teach about it, is the centrality and the focus of the cross. Because the cross is more than just words. When we begin to preach the cross, like tonight, the power of God manifests into his people. The cross is all about the power of God. It's about relationship with the Lord. It's about our identity as, as sons and daughters. It's all based on the cross. And tonight, as we look uh, in 1 Corinthians about the wisdom of the cross, I believe God's power is going to break into Victory Church for breakthrough, for healing, for things that we've been waiting for uh, in this family, that the power of God would manifest. Because Paul said he didn't come just with words, but he came with power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And it comes on the foundation of the cross. And so let's turn to 1 Corinthians. I'm getting a little excited. <laughs> I can feel it already. I'm getting excited here. Because we're missing the power of the cross. It's not with elegant teaching. It's not fancy uh, PowerPoints and presentations. The modern church right now, we're, we're doing anything we can to bring people into the church. But it's the power of the cross that sets people free. It's the power of the cross that transforms lives. It's the power of the cross that brings healing and restoration, and we're missing that. We're doing everything we can to help people without the authentic power of the cross. And what Paul says, he says, I came and preached Christ and Christ crucified. I came to know nothing but Christ and his, and his uh, death and resurrection. And so in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, I want to read a long passage here. It says, Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. What, 
I'll touch this later, but it's amazing. He says there's actually an ability for us to nullify or to void the power of the cross. Verse 18 says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. It says, Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Verse 21, For instance, in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26, for consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before God. Let's go to chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Verse 2, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So there's a lot here, but I really want to center on verse 21, in 1 Corinthians 1, 21, because Paul is talking about the power of the cross here. He's talking about uh, the power of the cross as salvation unto believers, but he makes this astounding statement in verse 21. And he gives us an insight into the wisdom and the heart of God. And in verse 21, he says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. Meaning, in the wisdom of God, God allowed the world to operate in their own strength, in their own wisdom... He allowed them to live any way they wanted, and this is part of God's wisdom, yet in their searching and in their lifestyle, they would never know who God is. This is his wisdom. He says, in God's wisdom, he let the world operate in their wisdom, yet in their wisdom, what it did was it actually brought condemnation to their own life apart from God, and God allowed it. And the reason why is because he says God was well-pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Meaning all of the wisdom of carnal men and the strength of carnal men could never reach or find the life of God. And God was okay with that because he will not violate our free will. And so he says, I will let you live your life. I'll let you make your choices. I'll let you operate in your strength and in your wisdom 
because I won't violate your free will. But in doing so, you will always be condemned upon sin and you'll never be able to know the knowledge of God or reach me. And here he says, he says, why? Because God wanted those unbelievers, he wanted them to come to Jesus but through a certain way. He wanted them to come to him but through a certain way. And it was the, the message of the cross, the foolishness of the cross. Meaning he hid the power of the ability to come to him through the foolishness of the cross. And he says that's the only way that you can actually come and find relationship with me is through the, through the foolishness of the cross. And so in God's ultimate wisdom, he allows the wisdom of man to operate and to search for God. Because inherently inside of man, as being created in God's image, there is a longing to be made whole. There's a longing for God that's in our human design, in our spiritual makeup. And he knew that, but in the fullness or totality of his wisdom, uh, he did not allow the world to find him on their, by their own strength. This is God's wisdom. So I have notes here. You guys don't. <laughs> but, um, and so even man's denial... Even man's denial of God is a response to his existence. Think of that. Even our denial, the atheist and the agnostic, those who deny God, it's actually a response to his existence. And they're saying, we don't believe that God exists. And yet God says, I'm the center of all things as we're, uh, as we're worshiping tonight. And so he condemns, God condemns all men at the foot of the cross. He brings equality the world screaming for equality right now. And here's the equality that God gives. That all men are under the wage of sin and all men are due the penalty of hell, eternal hell. And it's a righteous wage or a righteous judgment that we all endure. That we all uh, have purchased by our sin. That's really the equality of man's foolishness. Right? Our pomp, our money, our strength, our wisdom, the government's. All of that, when it's all said and done, where it brings us to is the foot of the cross. We're all equal in sin, and we all deserve the wrath and the, and the, and the judgment of God. That's what, that's what the foolishness of the cross brings us to. So in God's wisdom, he uses man's own wisdom to condemn them because of their own limitations. See, with the foolishness of the cross, it reveals the limitations of mankind. It's really, we're, we've been looking at the Tower of Babel at the House of Prayer. It's really this humanistic design of the Tower of Babel where they're searching and trying to reach into heaven, but they did it by their own strength and by their own wisdom. And it's man's humanism or our own understanding by which we operate and we do life. And God says, I'll let you do that. But if you live under that sphere, you'll never know me. You'll never know me. And what it does is it re reveals the limitation of man's strength. It reveals the limitation of man's wisdom. And thus, there's a universal condemnation on all men. And this is the backdrop of the gospel. The universal condemnation is the backdrop for the cross or the foolishness of the message preached. Without this universal condemnation, the cross would not be good news. Because why would you need Jesus when life is good? 
Why do you need Jesus when you have enough money and you can do everything for your own pleasures? You don't. But when the full gospel is preached and men are condemned under sin, and that's what Paul does in Romans 1 and 2, then he brings in the free gift of justification in Romans 4, 5, and 6. He sets up the foolish, the message of the gospel by the condemnation of all men. And so the wisdom of God, this is what the wisdom of God does. It condemns all men as he gives them free, free ability in their free choices. And yet their free choices leads to the limitations of their own wisdom and strength and under the condemnation of sin. That's what, that's what God's wisdom brings carnal man to. And it says it's God's good pleasure that he would bring them to this point so that they can humble themselves to see the foolishness of the cross. Because there's only one way to God, and we have to be very clear on that. It's only through the cross. It's only through Jesus. There's not many ways to God. There's one way unto God, and it's only through the cross of Christ and through the finished work of the cross. That's something that we have to be very clear on, and that's something we have to be willing to die for. And so it's the equality, all humanity is equal before God and their rightful inheritance of sin and death. Because they cannot reach God, they deserve the rightful and just consequences of sin, eternal damnation. This is the original right of mankind born in Adamic sin. The original right of mankind is actually to have, receive the full wrath and the condemnation of God forever. And this occurs in the, in the wisdom of God as men operate in their worldly wisdom. And so when we look at the world right now, the world is screaming at us, whether it's politics, media, education, health. I mean, it's screaming at us, race, and all of it, most all of it, even in the church, it's coming from worldly wisdom. Think of that. It's coming and it's provoking the church or it's pushing us or it's pushing us to say something or take a stand. But all of it is coming from a standpoint of worldly wisdom, which means it's devoid of the life of God. It's devoid of the cross. And so when we engage in that battlefield, in that stance, it's actually a lose-lose situation for the church. Because it's not, it's not on the basis of life or the cross or eternal life. It's basis on the foolishness of men's wisdom. And God says all of that has its own limitations and its eternal end is actually wrath and, and condemnation. And the scripture calls it having our mind set on the flesh or a depraved mind. Right? And there are many verses on this. They're actually called the enemies of the cross. Those who operate out of worldly wisdom. And the world right now, it's full of it. And it's trying to, trying to bring the church into this conversation. It's trying to bring the church out of the cross, the work of the cross, and into our fleshly uh, responses where we want to post something or say something or do something. I believe that's beyond what God is saying right now in many ways. So let's look here, Roman number two, two, the power of the cross. So God's pleasure and the foolishness of the cross. Opposed to the wisdom of the world, God's pleasure more than just his plan 
is for the preaching of the word of the cross, which is Christ crucified. This is the only means by which man can come to know God and have relationship with him. The foolishness of the word of the cross is the power of God to those who are being saved. And this word foolishness in the Greek, it means the silliness or the absurdity or the, of the cross. It's the silliness or the absurdity of the cross. Uh, verse 21 tells us, For God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And in, in verse 18 it says, The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And that's why Paul, when he came to Corinth, he says, I preach Christ crucified, nothing else. He came. But what we see in the message of the cross is that we see God's pleasure to save. We see his pleasure to save. Because in the heart of God, what he's not willing that any should perish, but he's long-suffering or he has mercy to give time for men to come and humble themselves at the cross, at the feet of Jesus. And we see that in 2 Peter 3.9. But I want to look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. It's an amazing verse. It says, namely, that God was in Christ and he was reconciling the world to himself. He was not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And because he's done this, verse 20, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And here's the key part. It's as though God were making an appeal through us. It's God working through us. And he's saying, essentially saying, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so God's not harsh. In his wisdom, he's saying this. He's saying, I'm begging you. I've done everything I can that you might have life that you would choose me over your own wisdom. It's more than just sin. It's much of it's based on our own understanding, our own strength, our own wisdom, how we see life. And God says, I don't want you to go that route. I've made it possible through the cross. And more than just being aloof, God says, I came and showed you. And he defines what love is through the cross. The cross is the ultimate demonstration of his love. So Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, he came and died for us. 1 John 4 says, he demonstrates love through his propitiation on the cross. And he shows us, he doesn't just tell us about love, he actually comes and demonstrates love to us. And in his demonstration now, he uses us, and as we preach the gospel, the gospel is the only way that men can be saved. It should give us so much confidence that we have the only message that by which men can come to God. And as we live our lives righteously, as we share about Jesus and the cross, it's as if God were in us and he's begging men saying, don't go your own way. I mean, imagine the uncreated God begging sinful human men, cursing him. This is our God. He's sitting here begging, saying, don't choose that. Don't choose sin. Don't choose the lesser things. He's saying, I've made the way for you to come. And that God, I mean, he's all powerful. He, he's majestic. And as he's begging, unbelievers, those who are cursing and yelling at him. 
And he's saying, don't go that route. I know the end of, the, of your way there. It's such an amazing appeal through the cross. He's saying, I've given you love and I've given you the way. Come, let me shower my riches of blessing on you. Because what the cross does, the power of the cross is the only thing that liberates us. It's the only power that sets us free to overcome our fleshly desires. And what God does is, through the message of the cross, when we humble ourselves and say yes and submit and re repent, he actually joins us into the, his death. It's Romans 6. He joins us into his death. He buries our old man, that power source of sin, into the ground. And as he was raised from the dead, we're raised in newness of life with him. And he actually deals with the internal power source of sin in our lives. He kills it through the cross. And says in Galatians 4, he says, he crucifies the flesh with his passions and desires. In Galatians 6, he says, this is, I love this phrase, because the cross is the only thing that says the world has been crucified to me and me to the world through the cross. It's what crucifies us. It kills us from the world and the desires of the world. The cross isn't a life enhancement message. It's not an upgrade in, in who we are and how we think. No, the cross says, let me kill you and the power source of sin and let me, let, be, let me cause you to be born again in a new person, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he does all the work. We say yes and submit. And he does all the work. And so what the cross does, it liberates our friendship with the world. It liberates our, our sympathy for the devil. It liber liberates our viewpoints and our perspectives of what's right and wrong. And the cross sets us free from all those things. So now we can have fellowship with God. So now we can understand the word of God. Now we can have relationship through the Holy Spirit. We can hear the voice of God. The cross is the only way that can liberate us. I tell you, all these, especially in the church, this fad of, uh, of inner healing and going back and all these things. There's a place for it, but ultimately it's the cross. Embracing the cross is the only way to the healing of our hearts. It's the only way to the healing of our bodies, the healing of our relationships, of our marriages. It's at the cross. It's the only place where the power of God moves and the life of God moves. Counseling is good and there's a place for it, but ultimately it has to bring us to the foot of the cross where we have to submit and humble ourselves and repent of our own arrogance. And so the cross, it's the power of God to us. It's the foundation of our lives. It's the foundation of our relationship. It's our identity as sons and daughters through the cross. And here's the good news. It's, a, it's made available to anyone and to everyone who will humble their hearts before God. Who won't operate in their own wisdom. It's so freely given. The problem is, it's too easy <laughs> in some sense. And so the power of the cross is available to all. And I believe that's why we carry our cross. We die daily and we come and submit to him every day. And we humble our hearts saying, Jesus, I need the power of the cross to operate in my life today. It's a rejecting of the wisdom of the world. It's a rejecting of man's ideas and man's strength. And it's coming under the authority of the cross of Christ. It's coming under the authority of his lordship. 
is, is, is essentially what the cross is. And if we do, then the power of the cross will be made available to us. It's not just a one-time entrance. The power of the cross and the message of the cross is actually meant to mature us in God. See, we think we enter in through the cross and now we do our own thing or now we understand that we know. And Paul says to the Galatians, he says, who's bewitched you? That you started in the spirit, meaning you came under submission, the power of the cross and the life of God. And now that you've learned a few things, you think that worldly wisdom has come in and you've, you're operating in your own pride and you think you can make your own way. And I tell you, especially for believers who've been in the church, this is part of the devil's strategy. It's that, that we would begin to, uh, to know our, to make our own way, that we don't acknowledge him. This Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, you know, trust in the Lord and acknowledge him in all your ways. He'll make our path straight. And because we can do a few things and, like, you guys are so talented and then Victoria is so smart. It's like you, pretty soon you're like, I can, do, I can start my own church. I can bring people. I can help people. And we leave the, the basic premise of the life in God, which is the power of the cross. And God's been convicting me and convicting us going, we need to come back to the cross. Because it's through the cross that the power of God moves. The Holy Spirit moves through yielded vessels. It moves through purity. And it's the power of the cross that's, that's missing as the world is getting louder. The church needs to be brighter. And it's not just, you know, uh, striving. It's actually submitting under the power and knowing the authority of the blood. The authority of the blood is where our power source is. It's our authority. And he's been dealing with us, dealing with me, going, <laughs> well, let's, let's just move on. <laughs> And so the threefold purpose of the wisdom of the cross, the threefold purpose, one, the cross defeats the world system. It nullifies it or it makes it, it renders it idle or useless. The word here, it's um, 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28. It says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not. Why? So that he may nullify the things that are. I mean, he uses the foolishness of the cross to destroy the devil's strength and the, and the devil's system in the world. It's that, that system is that same Babylonian system. It's the Tower of Babel, which will resurrect at the end of the age. It will resurrect. It's resurrecting right now in Harlot Babylon. It's, it's the Tower of Babel is the same word for Harlot Babylon. And so it's Revelation 17 and 18. It's the entire system that the Antichrist brings about. And that same, uh, the same lies, the same pressures, the same deception, the same desires that uh, started in, in the Tower of Babel, it will actually, it's never died. It will actually come back in the fullness of evil at the end of the age. And we're beginning to feel the very beginnings of that pressure right now. And that's why we need a people who understand the cross and whose lives are marked by the cross. That our flesh has been crucified, our passions are crucified, and we're raised up in newness of life through the cross. Because he's, he will use this end time spotless bride who's weak in so many ways, but our love is pure. I mean, think of the cross, 
The cross is the full manifestation of the love of God, meaning he loves us, and he goes, let me show you how I love you. I love you by the way of the cross. And this is how we say we love God back. We say we're going to love you by the way of the cross. We'll love you in the same degree that you loved us is by carrying our cross. It's by coming under the power and the authority of the cross. It's our manifestation of love to Jesus saying we've received of your love through the cross and now we will love you back by carrying our cross unto death. And he uses this, I love this word, to nullify the things that are. I mean, he will nullify the world system. He'll nullify um, the, the, what's it called? The, um, when the world uh, attracts you or it um, entices you, yeah. Or the enticement of the world. It says nullify. It's to, it's to be, make it unemployed, inactive, inoperative. It's to destroy. It's to annul. It's to abolish. It's to put an end to. And he uses uh, the cross and those who are marked by it to destroy the powers of the evil one. I mean, it says in 1 John 3, 8, he came. Why did he come? To destroy the works of the devil. And then I love Romans 16, verse 20. It says, the, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Not just what Jesus has done, but under the feet of the church that operates in the cross. It says, God will soon destroy the works of Satan, and there will be a great harvest among the nations when the church begins to operate both in unity, in humility, and in the, and the power and the authority of the cross. And so letter A, the first one, the cross, it's to defeat the world system. Number two, in condemning the wisdom of the world, God magnifies his grace. It says, it's the only way that we can come to God is by grace by which we're saved. So that no man can boast. It's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Saved by grace. <laughs> right? And then number three, the cross is actually God's way. It's his legal way in which he gives us the greatest exchange. Because remember, we were born in sin and trespasses. We were actually, we sided with the devil and using our own wisdom before we came to the cross. And as we come to the cross, it's God's legal way both of defeating the devil, saving us, but then giving us his full inheritance as sons and daughters. The full inheritance of the kingdom is ours, but it's only given through the cross. It's the legal means by which we can exchange our sin for his righteousness. And, he, when we, and we do it daily, and we, we, it's the only way that we can actually receive impartation, anointing, blessing, the benefits that God has, it's through the cross. And so he destroys the world system, he saves us, and then he allows us a means through the, through the work of the cross that we can receive what he has for us. And this is the whole picture in Daniel 7, you know, Daniel 7 about the Son of Man, the entire picture, it's not just about the Son of Man, three times in Daniel 7, he says, he will give us the full inheritance of the kingdom. He doesn't just give it to a son. It says we're co-heirs with Christ, we're heirs of God, and the full kingdom is ours forever. Right? That's who we are to God. We have the same legal standing, the heart standing, the love standing, the glory of God is given to us as it's given to Jesus. That's who we are. That's the church. And he only does it through the cross. And so if we don't know the cross, we can't receive what he has for us. 
Right? If we don't know what the cross is, we can't receive. So I just want to bring a few things here for application. Let, number one, having confidence in the cross. So we must know and remember that we carry the message of the cross, which is the only message that brings people to God. It's the only message. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what their lifestyle looks like. It doesn't matter the smile on their faces. Without Jesus, they need this message of the cross. Sometimes we're intimidated. I'm intimidated by, you know, what they have, their position, their status in life, their successes that they've had. But if we need to see from God's perspective, that is all a front. Underneath, they are dead men. And the only power that can reach them is the message of the cross. It should give us a boldness and it should give us a confidence that against any opposition, that the power of the cross is the only thing that can touch a man's heart. It's the only way that conviction can come and salvation can come. Meaning this, as the church, as the people of God, we have the only answer that the world needs. It's the only answer that they need is we have it. It meets the needs of humanity. It's the cross. And when we preach the gospel, we're declaring that God is just and true and that his ways are right. When we preach the gospel, it's our humility that we are agreeing that his wisdom is right. That's what we're doing. Letter B, it's the stumbling block. The message of the cross is both a stumbling block and foolishness to the worldly or carnal mind. The cross is an intentional impediment for anyone looking to establish their own, own righteousness. Even for believers, when we enter the realm of self or the flesh... We will run into the stumbling block of the cross, which will resist us so as to bring us back to God. And so we can start well, but if we begin to operate in our own wisdom and our own strength, the cross is an impediment. It's a stumbling block for us that God uses to bring us back to him. And so here it says, to the Jews... He was a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles, foolishness. But to us, we preach Christ crucified because it's the power of God unto salvation for us. And third one, nullifying the cross. Because we, amazingly, Paul tells us that the power of the cross can be nullified or made void. I think the power of the cross, it's God's greatest authority and weapon, and God's unlimited. I mean, he's he's. he's um, he's, he's always existed, and yet us as mortal men, we can actually nullify the work of God. That's how much authority he's given us. And how do we do that? It's when, uh, it's 1 Corinthians 1.17, it's when we preach the gospel in the, in the cleverness of our own wisdom. It says when we preach it in the cleverness of our own wisdom... If we do it according to our own wisdom, we will actually nullify the life of God. So think about when we lead worship, when we counsel, when we teach, when we have relationship. If it's based on our own wisdom, our own carnality, our own ideas, it actually blocks the moving of the Holy Spirit. It nullifies the power of God to operate in an assembly, in our lives, in a congregation. That's why he tells us, says, do, says, do not lean on your own understanding. 
says, don't lean on your own understanding. It's amazing to me that what we're, whenever we believe and operate with worldly wisdom, it actually invalidates the power of the cross. It should give us a fear of the Lord. It should really give us a fear of God going, God, is my heart right? God, am I, is this worldly wisdom? Right? This is not just unto salvation. It involves and includes sanctification, but also walking with God and receiving his resources. Remember, the cross is a great exchange to receive. And sometimes we don't receive because we're operating in our own wisdom. And it's so subtle that we don't even know it at times. And yet our own selfish ambition has, has crept up in our hearts. Our own desire for a name or a platform or an album or, or money or a lifestyle. All those things have crept up and we don't even know it. And when that happens, God says, I have a stumbling block. It's called the cross. And he says, and I won't remove it. Because I want you to stumble so you'll repent. And, if, and I mean, here's a litmus test. If you feel like you've gone around the same uh, mountain sometimes months, sometimes years, and you're like, why does this continually happen to me? It might be because you're operating out of worldly wisdom. It might not be the devil resisting you. It could be actually the stumbling block of the cross. God's resisting you. And he's doing it for your own benefit so that you'll repent, so you'll actually be able to receive what God has for you, not what you want to build. I remember when we were um, trying to raise money for this building, and we raised some before, and then we had this first campaign, and I couldn't raise money. I, I mean, I was doing everything I could to raise money for it, and it, didn't, it wasn't coming in, just a trickle, right? And then, and then we stopped. We just, we just stopped trying to raise money for months. And part of it was I was just discouraged. <laughs> and I was just discouraged, and I was like, I wasn't trying. And then I knew, okay, we have to start raising money now. And because it was coming in, and we raised like $125,000, something like that, in like just less than a month. I mean, it just, it just all came in. Right? And, um, but the Lord said to me, he spoke to me and said, he goes, I couldn't give you what I wanted to because if I'd given it to you earlier, you thought you had done it by your own strength. But you thought you could do it because your contacts and what you are doing. He goes, I couldn't give it to you. And he actually put a stumbling block in front of me. It was called the cross. And I didn't know why. And I'm going, I'm trying to raise money for the kingdom. I'm trying to raise money for the prayer movement. And underneath it, it's my own ambition going, I want to build. And later, almost months later, when actually it started coming in, he spoke to me and said, I couldn't give it to you before. And it wasn't the devil resisting us. It was God resisting me. And it, it gave me a fear of God going, God, money is not an issue with you. You can bring money anytime you want. He can bring people, resources. The issues are heart. The issue is, is our, is our heart aligned and submitted? Because I tell you, there's a lot of worldly desires inside of us, right? Inside of me that it, unless we die daily or we're, we come back and visit that cross periodically, that those subtle desires come and rule over us. And so God, I mean, it's amazing that he gives us the ability to nullify the power of the cross. He actually does. And so if we're going through and we're hitting this wall and you don't know why, it might be that God's actually resisting you. Right? That you would pray about and go, God, give me revelation. Why is this happening? Letter D, the fourth one, the folly of the secular narrative. It's humanism. 
And so the folly of humanism is that they are trying to create a utopian society of righteousness and justice apart from God according to their own ingenuity and strength. And God will allow them to build according to their own wisdom, but ironically, their own wisdom nullifies the very one who can give them what they're looking to build. The same principle works with anything that is built by the wisdom of man. And I, I want us to be aware both now and in the days to come, this aspect of secular humanism, it's, and it's in many uh, ways that it comes at us, it will increase and it's increasing in the church, right? Through believers, they're telling the true church, the genuine church, the, the purifying bride, right? But don't go as hard. Don't be so radical. Be quiet. Engage in this. And the secular humanism will add in Bible verses and the name of Jesus to do what it wants to do. But its entire goal is to shut down the mouth of the prophets. It's really to shut down the mouth of the true church and for the true church to arise, the remnant church to arise in, this last day, in these last days. And I believe that we have to understand the devil's ways and we have to be able to discern and to decipher through secular humanism. Right? It's, it, it's what, it's Revelation 17 and 18. I keep saying this about Harlot Babylon. I want to encourage you to really go and read about Harlot Babylon. Because I believe in the book of Revelation, Harlot Babylon, those two chapters, is the greatest uh, gift that God's given us. It's actually, it's actually the surprise of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, the surprise isn't the Antichrist. Everyone knows the Antichrist is bad and evil, all right, and he comes. Okay, that's not the issue, and, the, and it's not about the church because we're going to be pure and spotless. What the insight that God gives us through the Apostle John is this, the atmosphere of society and the, and the uh, agenda of the world in that last generation, how it will affect and how it will attack the church. It's called Harlot Babylon. It's a major insight in Revelation that God gives to the end time church of the ways that Harlot Babylon uh, comes and deceives and allures the church so as to bring a great falling away at the end of the age. And we have to be aware, it says we're not ignorant of the enemy's schemes. See, God's told us in these two chapters, uh, Revelation 17 and 18, of how the enemy wants to operate and it'll only increase and it'll be more incendiary as we draw closer. And it's creeping into the church. It's creeping into the church. And so, uh, I mean, this year and the number of months, our world has just radically shifted and turned uh, in so many ways. And the power of, of the media and people, it, it's, it's overwhelming at times, right? And, it's, and it won't slow down and it won't get lower. It'll actually increase. And the world wants to push the church and define us about what we believe, who we are, and what we do. Either push us back or draw us in. Right? And the church and the Bible is exact, exactly opposite where the church, we're to be the, in the driver's seat. We're to hear from God and then move and act and engage. We're actually not to uh, just respond to what the world is doing. And so I believe that without this basis of the cross, we will not be able to discern the voice of the enemy through secular humanism that's coming. It will only increase and it will only be more subtle. And so we have to understand the enemy's strategy. Letter E, 
The power of the cross, it flows through weakness. Now, this, these last two, in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, it's interesting, he says that he, Paul came in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. That's how he came. But in it, the power of God was made manifest. And his power is perfected in weakness. And just as I was praying for, to come tonight, victory, I want to look at this passage in 1 John. I want to end with this here in 1 John, chapter 4, or chapter 5, verse 4. He says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And I just kept getting this verse for this family, for the Victory family. And I believe that God has called you first to be overcomers, to be born again, which means you're to know the cross, to be founded on the cross, to be based on the cross. Right? But in doing so, one of the ways of operating in victory is actually operating in faith. And when you operate in the cross and in faith, it says you will overcome the world and the power of God will flow through you. The power of God for Sarasota, for Florida, for America, the power of God. We are in a desperate need of the genuine power of God right now. Not just opinions, not just what people say on pulpits, what they put on social media. Most of it's useless. Okay? Most of the, and what we need is the genuine power of God. Because Paul says it wasn't his words. He says the, the kingdom is about power. And without power to change lives, it's useless. And so it actually brings more, words actually bring more bondage, actually. It's, um, it's Job 38.2, Job 38.2, right? I'll just read it real quick because I mean, we've been talking a lot about racial issues and all that stuff. But where's Job? Right before Psalms. So Job 38.2, it says, oh, here it is. It says, God's saying this, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Meaning, the more you talk, you actually block the knowledge of God and what God is saying. And so, because we all want to say something. Remember, it's like, and, and, the, and this is what the world says, silence is violence. And it's actually false, it's a false narrative that's trying to entice us to say something because the more we actually talk without, without the power of God, it actually darkens not only our own counsel, but the counsel of others, other people. Right? And so the more voices, uh, this guy we know, he said this way. He said God spoke to him this way. The more you talk, the more I talk, the dumber I make people. Because, <laughs> not funny? The more I talk, I make them dumber because I'm blocking actually the, their ability to hear from God. So the more we, because this is what the world's doing. It's, like it's trying to get us into this trap to say something and to do something. But God says, if you do it without me, you're actually darkening your own mind and those that listen to you. It's the exact opposite of what the world is saying. Instead, what we need to do is we need to find God, know what he's saying, and release the word of the Lord. That's the only word that has power, not our opinions. Okay? And so I want to say to victory, this first John Five, four here, that you have been founded on the cross. I want to strengthen you tonight in your inner man, in your bodies, in your lives, in your faith, right? in, your, in your businesses, in the call of God, in the anointing on this house, that you've been born 
by the power of God to overcome. That you've been born through the cross and that there is a faith that operates in this house. I felt it tonight. It's in the place of worship. It's in the place of the miraculous. It's in the place of the Holy Spirit. There is a level of faith. I feel like the anointing that actually overcomes the world. And it will bring about the power and the answers of God into a generation for a time such as this. But it's based on the foundation of the cross. In both our, in the weakness of, our, of, of, of submitting to God, but also internally in our inner man, that faith arising to lay a hold of all that God has for you. And that there is in the, in the worship, in the leadership, in the teaching, in the community, there is a faith in this house. And that faith is to overcome, and that, and that overcoming releases, it's the gateway, it's the door that releases the power of God to do what we could not do on our own, and it allows what God to do, that's why he's assembled you. And I want to impart that tonight into this body, into this family, those who are listening, I wish they were, we were here, but it, it doesn't matter. In this house, it's like there's an impartation of faith and power through the cross. It's the lifestyle of your leadership. It's the lifestyle of this body. I know many of you, and you guys love the Lord. It's the lifestyle of the cross, of, the, of your body. It operates in manifestation in faith and victory and power. And so I want to leave that with you. Do you want to come up and, and play a little bit? Sorry. And so this, I'm going to read this again, 1 John. And I want to pray this over, over this house. We need what victory has, what victory church has. Sarasota needs it. America needs it. It says, for whatever is born of God, meaning it's born through the cross, it's the only way that we can have relationship with God. Is through the cross. And so whatever is born of God, it overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It's our faith. It's the faith that you carry. And so I want you to just receive, uh, raise your hands. I'm going to pray over this family. And so, Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for the leadership, the, the pastors, Lord, Pastor Brian and Bren, for the elders, Lord, for those who serve here, Lord, those who are on staff, God, those who've been here for years and those who've just come, Lord, I thank you for the, the mandate and the call of God over this family. Lord, thank you that this family has been born of God. That, Lord, that there is victory, even as you have named this church to be victory, Lord, a church of your presence, where your power God, your knowledge, this overcoming faith, Lord, that's untainted by the world, that there is a discernment and a wisdom in this house, to, Lord, to be able to see, Lord, the enemy's tactics and its plans. And, Father, that you would, as you've rooted and grounded them, Lord, not just in your love, but on the cross, the manifestation of love, we say, Lord, let faith arise in every heart. Strengthen them, Lord. Meet their needs. Let a faith that comes not from within, even themselves, but from the age to come, this faith be imparted tonight, Lord. 
that they would see greater activity of the Holy Spirit operating in their lives, operating in their families, operating in healing in your bodies, operating in your businesses. We say favor and faith that overcomes, that it would come and be implanted tonight. Say through the cross, we receive tonight, God, what you have the fullness for this season and for this hour. So you would strengthen this body with unity, with answered prayer, with divine hunger, that there would be a fire in their hearts, God, that would arise like never before, that there would be this looking unto heaven, this open heaven, Lord, that you would come and you would minister, that you would release, you would direct, you would bring truth, that there would be an anointing God to fulfill the mandate what you have, Lord, over this house. Say, so, Lord, I call it forth in the name of Jesus. This victory that overcomes the world. This faith that's based on the cross. And I pray for strength right now, God, for all those that are discouraged. I pray, God, that the enemies, as the enemies attacking, attacking families, attacking parents against their children, attacking marriages, God. We set a wall of, of faith around them right now. The enemy is trying to devour that roaring lion. We rebuke the devourer tonight. By the blood of Jesus, we rebuke the devourer off of relationships. And we say, Lord, that you would bring a humility, God, greater humility to receive the greater things that you have and so lord mature victory mature this fellowship god into the deeper things of the cross the deeper things of god the deeper things of faith mature this house lord to carry more to steward what you have lord in these days that their light would shine brightly, Lord, like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Roger, for coming and imparting. And we just receive that as a body by faith of what everything he prayed. We just receive it by faith in your home. And even as you're going to be um, at your home tonight with your family, I just encourage you to take part and begin praying on what he just said out of 1 John 5, 4. We're really believing for that and we're a house of faith. Amen. Amen. So we bless you, Victory. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday, the 15th with Mark. So you can come. We're all going to be in person. And so we bless you. Have a wonderful night. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.